Hello and welcome to the Start Here podcast for web development. My name is Dane Miller and we're here to teach you how to build a career in web dev. You can find us online at starthere.fm. Today we're going to touch on a ton of different topics. I've got a lot of questions from you guys through email and through Twitter, also comments on the website. So I'm sort of collecting and rounding up all of those here into a a big list of questions that we'll go through. And I'll make sure to go into sufficient depth to answer each question. I'm not going to try to skip over them really quickly. So the episode will take as long as it takes. I don't quite know. I mean, I have maybe 10, 10 to 11 questions or 12. So not a ton, but they're big questions and and they're very important. Okay. So first of all, to mention, there is a number of places that you can leave and ask me questions like this. You can go to the website, starthere.fm and on different episodes, you can just click on the episode and leave a comment at the bottom. I think I have it turned on to approve automatically. So you'll just, your comment will appear right there. Uh, You could email me at miller.dane at gmail.com. You could tweet at us at Dane Miller, D-A-I-N-M-I-L-L-E-R or at starthere.fm. That's great also. You could also go to dane.io, my personal website, or starthere.fm and sign up. In the top, uh, there's a email subscription box that you can sign up to join our newsletter. If you do that, that's actually a great way to stay in touch with the show. I always uh, post when there's new episodes and post when there's any kind of behind the scenes or fun things that we're doing. And also, I've been sending out a motivational email on Wednesdays, and I'm looking to do one on Sunday nights as well because I think... Monday morning slash Sunday night and then Wednesdays are often the hardest times for a lot of people. So I'm doing that as well. So if you want to go there and check that out, I think you guys would benefit from that. All right. I think it's time for questions. What about you guys? And these are going to jump between technical hard and soft questions. So meaning hard skills and soft skills. I've got a little both. So first question, what is the best technology to choose to learn first given the current job market in 2016 and 2017? This question is very common and a lot of people have this concern when they start to development that they should pick a thing to learn that is optimal for the time that they're living in. And that is totally true in some sense. You don't wanna learn COBOL. You don't wanna learn C probably if you're listening to a web development podcast. You don't wanna learn C++ probably if you're listening to a web development podcast. So there's all these things that we can exclude, which is great because it, it confines the amount of choices that we have. They call this bound bounding in psychology, right? You have to put logical bounds on things. So if you say, I want to go eat at a restaurant, you first say, okay, well, I wanna first go in a place that's 10 miles away or less. Secondly, second bound, I want it to be rated four stars or above on Yelp. Third bound, I want a friend to have recommended it, and then so forth and so on. And we constrict choices that way because otherwise we would go insane. So our brain is naturally engineered to do this. So you're already doing this with your language choices and your framework choices and your programming choices. So as you're going, you're saying, okay, well, I'm a web developer, I wanna be, so I don't wanna learn C++ or F-sharp, right? You want to learn maybe Ruby on Rails or JavaScript in some kind of JavaScript framework, or maybe you wanna learn Python and Django or PHP and a Laravel or WordPress. Maybe you wanna learn um, Node.js. 
Maybe you want to learn Elixir and Phoenix. Maybe you want to learn Rust and some kind of Rust web framework, which I think is still TBD. Like I know one person that's building the first, one of the first good Rust frameworks. So that's TBD. But so you have all these languages that are fitting within the bounds that define web development. Yet within those bounds, we get at start here. And just in general, I've seen a lot of confusion, a lot of total and complete confusion as to where to start. And that results in a couple of different negative tendencies, guys. The first negative tendency that results in is a dabbler mentality. So we're, we're going to mention my suggestions on how to fix this, but let me just reiterate why this is so bad. So this typically results in a dabbler mentality. So you, without even the intention of dabbling, what you'll start to do is you'll pick a little bit of JavaScript, you'll pick a little bit of Ruby, you'll, you'll pick up a little bit of Python, you'll jump around to different tutorials, you'll check out different things, you'll struggle a little bit with one language, and then you'll switch to another one. If you're doing this, stop right now. Stop, 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 stop doing this. This is not an effective or healthy thing to do. This is actually, this is literally the worst thing to do in your want to accelerate into a career in web dev. This is the worst thing you could be doing. And I know that sounds maybe dramatic and, and perhaps you don't even believe that, but I can tell you from somebody that has experienced that type of extreme dabbler mentality before, it's, it's completely unhealthy. And it's actually coming from a place of extreme fear in you. So we, we need to, you don't necessarily have to tackle it that deeply, but stop the dabbling and just focus, force yourself to focus on one thing. Just, you know what? Pick a language, right? And I'll get into my recommendations here in a minute, but just to finish this up, the second thing that is obviously the result of this type of confusion is analysis paralysis, where you don't actually choose anything to start with and you're not necessarily dabbling. You are just researching constantly. And that's the second attitude that I see in this, that complete analysis paralysis confusion where they don't even start. They don't know what to do. They, they listen to podcasts typically like ours. They will listen to our podcast and they will write in and they'll say things like, you know, I've been listening for a while. I'm unable to decide which language or framework to choose to start with. And I just don't know what to do. Can you recommend something? And I totally get and am empathetic as to where, where that's coming from because I had that same problem. But let me just talk about the solutions to this and you'll see why that is such a ridiculous thing. So let's get into solutions. So the way to cure this, the way to cure that mindset, the way to cure those negative results that come out of that confusion mindset is the following. And it's very simple. And because it's simple, your brain is going to reject it. And you're going to want to say, oh no, it must be more complicated than that. It must be more time, time specific. It must be more this or that or the other thing, but it's not. It's this simple. Literally pick anything to start with and learn it as fast as you possibly can. That is always the answer. That is always the most fundamental answer because once you learn Ruby and once you learn Ruby on Rails, it's going to be very easy for you to learn anything else because it's not about learning a language, guys. What it is, when you're learning a language, you're simply learning syntactic sugar on top of a type of thinking, right? Once you understand the syntactic sugar, and then once you go a level deeper and you understand the thinking that is the language the, of programming, how web development and programming work in general, once you understand that, you're done. You're, I mean, and by done, I mean you're all good. Like you can switch languages, you're gonna be 
a badass. And it's still going to be hard and it's going to be a struggle, but it's easier than you ever thought possible. And it's only going to be that easy if you consistently stick with learning one language because your brain is going to your brain is going to throw divided focus so much at you. You're going to be you know, addicted to wanting to stop learning one thing because your brain is just like that. All of our brains are. Our brains constantly want us to switch tasks, switch topics, and switch focuses. But we must resist that. And when we do resist it, we do build it as a habit and a little bit of a muscle in our brain. So that's good, but it's always hard and it's never super easy. So keep that in mind. Now, to answer the question very specifically, if you didn't pick up on everything I just said, literally pick anything and learn it. And when you're learning these things, you want to learn aggressively and quickly. That way, you can learn a bunch of different things without being a dabbler. Because if you go fast and deep on something and then switch to something else later, maybe six months to a year later, and then go fast and deep on that, I'm not sure that's a bad thing at all. I think that's actually an extremely aggressive hyper-achievement type of mentality there, hyper-growth mentality. And that's what I want you guys to have, that type of hyper-growth mentality because there's that saying that you only need 300 people that's obviously from the spartan phalanx right and in this web development community there's all these people that are getting out of college right now there's all these people that are just joining the workforce as web developers as new programmers as software engineers but if we have just 300 people that are bodying that type of growth hyper growth mindset those 300 people littered throughout the industry can have massive impact on the entire industry in every way because it only takes one person to be more creative than an entire industry one human being can out creative everybody around them and If you're able to do that because you're a hyper-growth type of person, you're always focusing on bettering yourself and bettering your skills and bettering your equipment, meaning your mental equipment, faster than everybody around you, twice as much as everybody around you, etc. If you're that person and there's 300 of us and we're all littered throughout the industry, we're going to have a huge impact and change everything. And that's why I'm so passionate about this hyper-growth mindset. And that's why the last episode we discuss the book, Mindset, The New Psychology of Success. Again, if you haven't listened to the last episode, go back and give that a listen because that one definitely had more motivational content. I'm going to stick to these questions here in this episode. But anyway, that answers the first question. Pick anything and start. It's so simple. Your brain is going to resist it. You're literally not going to want to do it. Just please follow the advice. It'll make your life so much easier. Okay, on to the next question. How can I keep moving forward when I'm unsure how long it will take until I get a job? This is a really hard one, and I would suggest that you re-listen to the motivation episode because, and I'm going to keep this one short, really re-listen to the previous episode, episode 23 of the Web Development Podcast. In it, we have a segment about the seasons of life. And if you want to jump right to that segment, I believe it's 20 minutes in and 20 seconds because I actually clipped it out onto my website. If you go to dane.io and scroll down, you'll find it and you'll just click that image and it'll jump you right to that segment. But that segment, the seasons of life, the summer that you're in, when you're doing this, when you're asking a question like that, you're in the summer. You're saying to me, you know, I, this is tough, this is hard work, summers last a long time, and I don't even know how long my summer is gonna last, will it ever end? And the answer is, just keep in mind that you're in the summer don't freak out 
keep doing the work when other people won't. And rest assured, you will move out of the summer into the fall. Think about that when you're unsure of how long the summer will take. Always remember that the earth, there's no way that the summer can come without the fall coming right after it. So in your life, it's the same way. So the work, unless you're failing to put in the work during the summer, that's the only caveat, right? So if you put in the work, you will experience a fall, aka some kind of reward from that result, from that hard work that you put in, some kind of result from that hard work. You just have to have faith and stay committed and believe it. I've seen thousands of people do it. Hundreds of people personally, 50 to 100 people personally transfer from a different industry into web development since 2014 when we started this podcast. So I know it's tough, but you can do it. Okay, on to the next question. I've been trying to program for a while and I still can't grasp topics like closures and programming patterns, but I believe those topics to be the most important when applying for jobs. What can I do to improve my skills in these areas? This is a very good, very specific question. I love this very specific, very good question. Now, the first thing to realize is, yes, those are important, perhaps, in applying for jobs. But when I applied for my first job, I didn't know those. And I know a lot of people who didn't and still don't totally know those. So first of all, don't think so black and white. What you're doing there is you're saying, you're really thinking black and white. So you're asking me this question, you're saying, it seems as though this is required for jobs, like for job interviews. That's not necessarily true. I mean, a lot of job interviews are going to have technical uh, interviews where you code and they could ask about these things, but don't think about it so black and white. You could get a job in a way such that you skip the technical interview. That's not unheard of, guys. So there's always ways around this stuff, right? So don't, just think gray. Don't think, don't think black and white. But for this specific question, the way that I would go about improving my ability to understand these is to do the thing that nobody does, right? So when you're learning jujitsu from like a Gracie brother, what they'll do is they'll often tell you, okay, today we're gonna do this drill a hundred times, just this very, it's like the simplest drill. And Michael Jordan did this as well. Every day he would do bounce passes for like hours a day. And that was so, that is very weird to a lot of people to hear that because he's such a great figure and so skilled already. Why would he need to do bounce passes like that? Like, you know, hours per day, you know, same thing here, guys, you're doing something that most people aren't going to do. You're going to practice. You're going to literally write the code over and over and over again. Nobody wants to do this. Another thing that nobody wants to do. Even if you do love programming, and a lot of us, even myself included, love programming, I'm fairly certain that you're not totally stoked with programming the same thing a hundred times. That's what the Gracie brothers tell tell the best jujitsu people in the entire world say to their students. They say, we're going to do this drill a hundred times. And then the next day you come back, they say, guess what we're doing today? We're doing this drill again a hundred times, except on the on the other side. And then we're going to do it again a hundred times on the other side again and back and forth and back and forth. Here, you need to be doing the same thing. So go find, uh, pick a language. Like I said, first step, pick a language. You already picked it totally. At, it can almost be at random, but it's something that you're going to stick with and see through until you know. Perhaps you don't have to ma master it, but you're going to see through it until you know it. 
And then here you're going to go Google. You're going to say that language programming patterns. You're going to find a blog post that implements programming patterns that has like a bunch of comments and seems to be well ranked in Google because that's probably a good one. Then you're going to implement that in code. So you're going to type, you're going to first type the actual code that you're reading. You're going to type it by hand yourself and into your code editor and you're going to fully experience and think through everything that you're typing. And then you're going to do that a hundred times. You're going to do that a hundred times. And every 10th time you're going to stop and you're going to go read the documentation, the wiki, what about the programming topic that you're typing? So the, or sorry, the programming pattern that you're typing. So every third to 10th time that you write this, you're gonna go Google, wiki, read blog posts all about this topic. You're gonna swarm, they call this swarm knowledge acquisition, where you basically swarm a topic in a couple of different ways. And this way you're kinesthetic learning by typing, you're learning via reading. So there's all these different ways to learn and you wanna swarm this one specific programming pattern. So the, the concept is don't try to learn all the patterns, just pick one and try to refine the way in which you learn it. So for instance, if you do everything that I just said and you're, you say, it only took me typing it 20 times and stopping every third time to read and research it for me to get it. Boom, you just figured out the efficient way in which you can learn this stuff. You just did the biggest domino topple in, in this specific question. You just did the biggest domino topple that you could possibly, highest leverage activity you could possibly imagine. You literally figured out the best way that you can learn something. So utilize that. Now come back at the problem. Say, okay, well, now I kind of know this one pattern more than I did. I kind of know it. Now let's do another one. Now let's do another one, another one, another one, another one. Then go back and do the one that you already know and do it again, do it again, do it again. You'll eventually build up until you know these things, guys. That is how I would approach this. And I know that's a huge topic, programming patterns. And I know that is a struggle for a lot of people. Trust me, I've definitely been there myself. I'm still learning, actually. I don't think even senior engineers know every single programming pattern because there's so many. And there's entire books written on them. Uh, a really good book that I like on this stuff is... Kent, book, Kent Beck's books. So if you look up Kent Beck on Amazon and you just buy any of his books, every single one of them is some of the highest quality programming writing and material that you could possibly consume. I'm telling you, it's it's extreme. It's almost like enlightened. He's almost like an enlightened programmer, to be honest. I mean, Kent is one of the few rare gems. And along with, you know, Ward Cunningham and you know, all these people that are very famous, they're usually famous for, for a good reason. Um, Rich Hickey and so forth. Brian Beckman, who I love. Brian Beckman is so good. Please Google Brian Beckman, guys, if you're interested in these types of deep computer science things. This guy, Brian Beckman, is the man. Google Brian Beckman Monad and watch his Monad videos and watch, he did, he worked on this operating system in the 90s called Time Warp, which was an operating system that allowed people to send operations forward and backwards in time. And it started being used, it was used in the military for different simulations and war games. And uh, the guy is a genius. You'll love him, I promise you. Just find his content and watch it. It's very motivating. Just find his content and watch it. Also, it's very motivating because if you have problems with this computer science stuff, if you're learning Ruby and you're like, man, I'm not, I don't get algorithms and stuff like that, 
watch videos by these guys that are like Brian Beckman talking about very complicated things that you don't understand, but they're doing it in an excited way. Watch those types of videos. So that Monad video, if you Google that, I didn't understand that for like the first 10 times that I watched it. But he was so excited and passionate that he made me excited and passionate about something that I didn't even think I wanted to learn about some kind of deep specific computer science thing. And I was like amazed and rejuvenated into learning that and I did and I succeeded and I learned it and therefore I'm a better person because of that. So you can utilize those types of videos with enthusiastic and passionate people um, on topics that you don't understand as a way to, to leverage your learning. So, so try that. Okay, next question. It's hard to make it, so this is from somebody who's in another industry, so they're a lawyer or an accountant, and they say, it's, I really want to be creatively fulfilled, but it's hard to make a sacrifice at my current salary in my current industry to switch to web development, which I feel like I will like better, have more freedom, responsibility, and creative fulfillment. That's a really good question, guys, and this is a bit of a challenging one, but in this specific one, the question was, how do I be okay? The question was kind of insinuating that this person is not okay with losing a salary or dropping her salary for a career change. Now, this is just very simply like a, a decision and a, and a pros and cons thing. Everything that you do in life has benefits and drawbacks. It has pros and cons. So this is just a kind of super personal decision that you have to make um, that I don't think I can necessarily make for you as to whether you should switch to web development. Really, it's based on your creative fulfillment. Are you currently creatively fulfilled? Do you hate how bad? Actually, you know, a good way to do these things is using inversion. So what is the inverse question to ask? The que that would be, how badly do you hate your current job? So if that answer is, I hate it extremely, then this might be a, a, an ex, a temporary salary cut, might be an acceptable pain uh, for the long-term joy and pleasure and fulfillment that, that will come from switching into a career that has more creative fulfillment, creative capability, and freedom, honestly. So that is a very delicate balancing act. So you have to balance those. You have to say, you know, what do I, what do I want? Do I want the creative fulfillment? Do I not want to be unhappy? Do I want to be more free? Do I want to be the boss of other web developers? Like what, what is my goal here that I want to actually achieve and do? That balancing act is really tough. And like I said, I can't exactly help this person make this decision or anybody make this decision. You have to make it for yourself, but I can recommend that in the, in the long run, in this game of life that I've experienced, typically if you feel 33% like you should do something or more than you should do it. So if you're 33%, and that's actually called optimal stopping, and there's some science behind this, right? There's books about this. If you're 33% into doing something, you should probably go ahead and go and do it. If there's some kind of gut feeling that is like, okay, I'm 33%, so I'm like very close to doing it, I'm unsure if I should or not, that is probably a sign that you should go ahead and jump and do it. Um, you should have also, uh, I call it F-22 fighter pilot backup strategies, right? Because F-22 fighter pilots, every time they go fly, they have to have three different escape and evasion strategies if they crash. So it's like 
That's exactly what you should do. So you should have as many strategic plans for your life as an F-22 fighter pilot in war would. This is something that really confuses me about a lot of the decisions that I've made in the past and I've seen people make. And I don't know why I never got this or never really thought this way, but if you look at war and commanders and generals and people that are trained highly like the special forces and the Navy SEALs and these fighter pilots and if all these people, they train so much and they have so many strategies. They focus so much on logistics. They focus so much on strategy. They focus so much on backup plans. And we know and we place uh, sufficient importance on those things as outside witnesses. So we're not in the military, but from the outside witnessing, we can say that makes sense. That makes sense that you would put that much sufficient importance on, you know, planning and strategizing because there's thousands of lives that can be lost or one life or any number of lives that could be lost from a mission, right? So we put sufficient uh, importance on that. But when it comes to our own life, our own life and our own time, a lot of the time, a lot of a lot of people that I see are not putting sufficient importance on those same things. So every time you're in a job and you want to quit and move to something else, have a couple of different backup strategies. One that will back you up into the same job. Another that will back you up into a similar job. Another that'll back you up in a totally different way that you didn't even think financially. And have them for different areas of your life. Like you should have as many strategies as the commander of the Pacific Fleet Forces has like when he's commanding a battlefield in the ocean. I mean, this is your life. This is every single minute that passes is the last minute that you'll experience like that. As the minutes tick away and as life counts down, I hope that you're seeing the sufficient importance of your own time and your own mortality. And you should read books by Marcus Aurelius and Seneca in these Stoic books that talk about death and talk about the perspective of death. You should read books about war and you should read books about people dying so that you can be grateful for every single moment that you're alive. And if you're not grateful enough and you're not placing sufficient importance on your health, on your time, on your wealth, on your career, and you're not strategizing, then you're not gonna move forward in a way that the top 1% of the world moves forward. I'm telling you that now, that's a fact. If you do not have sufficient strategy, you will not move forward like the top 1% of the world does. And you can be in the top 1% of the world, not just financially, but in your career, in your life, in your health, in your wealth, whatever area, you can be that. And the only way is through sufficient, hard, and necessary work that follows the formula KSE. So knowledge, strategy, execution. If you're just doing the first two and you're never executing, talk is cheap, proof is in the pudding, execute, execute, execute. And when you're doing all of those and you're following that type of formula, you're really embodying this type of hyper growth mindset that very few people do. And I'm very passionate about that message. And it's something that I really hope that you you embody as a self-educator, somebody that's learning on your own. And if you're ever wanting to talk about this more, feel free to email me because I love to talk about this. Miller.Dain, D-A-I-N at gmail.com. Anyway, we've been on this question for long enough. Let's uh, Let's move on to a different question. What do you think? Okay, next question. 
I think there is a powerful cross-section of skills in my UX training and front-end skills, but I have no idea how to speak to those strengths since my path is not so straightforward. Perhaps I'm interested in research, user experience, front-end, and back-end. How do you encompass all of these different passions or pursuits in the ability to speak to potential employers? So that's a very good and very specific question. I like that a lot. The way that I would do that is with a little bit more focus. So I feel like you're, if you're really that specifically focused on all those different areas, I really think you're going to have a bit of a, a problem trying to approach the job market because there is so much value in niching, right? So if you were a web developer that, so for instance, I know somebody who started in web development and what they did was the first clients that they found, they live in California, they're surfers or they're a surfer and they only work with companies that have businesses that are in water, like just in, in, in water sports and water activities and water, like anything having to do with water. And the funny thing is, and it's called deep water. And the funny thing is it's been so successful. It's been so successful, so surprising, so amazing. And the, and the problem with all of those different passions and pursuits that you listed, those are all so great and that's awesome that you're, you're, that you're that hyper growth focused, but try to be a little bit more like the opposite of what your brain naturally wants to do. So your brain is saying, okay, well, I want to be into research and user experience. And I also have a background in user experience and research. So that makes me even more interested. And I want to be into front end and back end or, you know, whatever, so on and so forth, or maybe design. So that's what the brain naturally wants to do. All of our brains are typically like that. And that's a little bit more, that's a little bit like we talked about a, a bit ago, the fear-based mentality there because you're switching different things. But also that could be just a sign of a hyperachiever. It's hard to tell with that specific scenario, but it's either you're focused on achievement so much or you're, there's a little bit of a fear thing going on where you're not sure exactly what to do. And so you're dabbling. Um, Either way though, definitely pick one and try to stick to it a little bit. So if you if you have experience in UX um, and research, go into front end and utilize those skills as you merge forward. So the way to do this, the way to handle, the, the best way that I've ever seen to handle this exact scenario, and this is kind of a step-by-step -step formula that I use uh, every time that I do this, the way that you want to approach swarming. So when you swarm a topic, you have a result. The result is that you're interested in all these different areas. Just like this questioner said, the questioner said she's interested in user experience, front end, research, and design, let's say. Those are all things that could be the result of a swarm that you do. So we talked about that before, the swarming of topics for information gathering or knowledge acquisition. So let's say you do that. Then the result of that is you're interested in all these different things. Boom, cool. Some of them you have experience in too, so you're like extra interested in those. That's great. Um, so how do, you, how do you resolve this? How do you resolve and squash down all these different things into one? So here's what you do. First, pick the thing that you know the least but you want to learn the most. So in this case, this person said they have experience with user experience and research. They're learning front end and design, right? So what I would do is I would say, okay, I know user experience and research. I'm learning front end. Envision those in your mind. What you want to do, if she told me she wants to learn front end the most, 
she has to figure out a way to merge all of the other topics that she has experience and skills with, merge them and shove them in to the front end topic. And when she's able to leverage all of the skills and things that she's learned over the years in those other areas and shove them in to front end and somehow utilize those in her learning of front end or pitching or selling herself in front end, she is going to go so much faster, so much further than all of her peers. Now, how can you do that specifically? Well, very easy. If you're a front-end developer and you're in a job interview and you have an experience with user experience and research, if you simply say that, you're immediately ahead of the pack because front-end is a user experience role also. So hiring managers typically greatly benefit from their front-end people being design-focused, user experience-focused, even research-focused. That's amazing. That's quite an unheard-of combo. I love that. So or it's not unheard of, but I love that combination. Now it's as simple as going into the interview and saying something like, hey, I'm here to interview for this job and I wanna be the front end developer role. I have some experience in front end and here's some of my projects, my personal projects. You can see this, I'm, I'm working with CSS animations and here I'm doing this other thing that's fun, You know, maybe using keyframe animations. And then here's a couple of more complicated websites with user experience stuff. And I'm also a user, a previous user experience researcher and uh, gen in general a, a researcher. And I'm really interested in learning about design and I'm doing this and taking this class and learning this thing about design to enhance my overall foundational knowledge of web uh, front end web development. Even though I was stuttering and, and like threw and stumbled throughout that description. If you came into my hiring manager's office and you said that when we needed a front-end web developer and you said those exact words, I would hire you literally on the spot. And the thing is, the reason I would is because you just showed me, and I would have to check your work, but what you just showed me is your ability to understand foundational knowledge and your ability to understand the broad spectrum of things that you must understand and do. And on top of that, by mentioning that you're taking classes and doing these other things, you showed me that you're a growth-oriented, hyper-focused person. So having the ability to show that you have a wide view, but also a fundamental view, and that you're a growth person, all of those in a job interview are kind of like deal sealers. They're deal sealers, guys. So, you know, this isn't a guarantee or anything, but keep that in mind. That's huge. Okay, so I think that that was enough information on that topic. We are going to have more episodes in depth on like how to pitch yourself. That's a huge topic and we're really excited and passionate about that. We're going to definitely touch on that more. So stay tuned for that. Next question. How can I learn more about design as a developer? This one is pretty easy. You're asking a question, how can you learn something? Go learn it. So go to Linda, go to Google, search and find the good information and learn it more. Go, on, go to teamtreehouse.com. They have courses and classes on color theory, how typography and fonts are working and why they're so important, what SVGs are. What icons, what icons and retina sizes to use for different design things. Just start learning. So in this question, you asked me, how can I execute knowledge? So the formula, KSE, knowledge, strategy, execution, you have yet to even get through the first step. You're in this question, you're sending me a question about how to get knowledge about something. Just look it up, right? I mean, I'm not trying to be negative in any in any way I, i'm super appreciative of the person that asked me this but i'm just giving you a little bit of reality check and you can give me a reality check back by you know sending me an email if you don't agree but 
seriously, don't be so held up on this. Look up as much things as fast as you can and keep plowing forward. You have to get through knowledge to get to strategy to get to execution. If you're not doing that, then you're not doing it well uh, because you're, you're doing it out of order. That is the order to do it in. I'm telling you, I've done this for years and years and many, 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 many different things. That is the order to do it in. Um, if you're doing it in a different order, you're, you're not doing well. Next question. What is the best way to prep for a long coding or learning session? Okay, so this is a good question. This is basically the question like I have to sit down and code some kind of complicated thing that I've never done and I'm gonna have to learn a lot while I do it. And what, what are my recommendations for that? And that's a great question. I, I have that situation happen to me all the time. Every once a week or so, I'll have to sit down with, for a very complicated debugging session in this distributed asynchronous infrastructure. And so that's a pain, <laughs> but it's fun also. And so what you want to do is do a couple things. So first of all, I always try to have some caffeine. So I, you know, this isn't probably the healthiest uh, thing to do, but I have tea typically for those types of sessions. Um, not coffee because I find that's a little bit too much, but tea for those sessions is really good. Like a really strong oolong tea is the current preference that I have. Um, there's really good oolong tea on Amazon guys, like loose leaf oolong tea. If you, uh, have some kind of tea steeper that can take loose leaf, surprisingly, uh, some of the oolong tea on Amazon, it's really good. You would think it would be like packaged and very old and stuff, but it's, it's great. I would check it out guys. Um, so I, I get tea, I sit down over the ear headphones, literally, this is very important guys, over the ear headphones, spend the 30 to $60 to get some over the ear headphones, please. It is so important. And they don't have to be noise canceling because they will be noise canceling enough just by their very nature. So what you're going to want to do is you're going to put those headphones on, uh, before you begin a really deep work session. And this is going to be a sort of neuro-linguistic programming habit that you're gonna do. So when you put these headphones on, after doing this for three or four times, your brain, once you put the headphones on, your brain is gonna switch into like thinking mode. This is a very common cognitive effect called the Pavlovian effect. And it's the same thing that happens when our phone dings and we want to check it because we've been conditioned to think that the ding is something new and interesting or exciting. So when you're putting your headphones on, over time, you're going to condition your brain into being able to switch from a sort of ADD mentality into a focused mentality much quicker. And actually, I've been doing this off and on for probably about a year now, and I found it really has a massive impact. In fact, it has such an impact on me now that I can go away from my desk and go to a different room if I'm trying to do you know, a mind map on paper for some idea. And if I'm having some kind of trouble with focus or I'm thinking about a lot, Instead of doing a meditation session or doing something else, I can just literally put on headphones that have no music, just put on the headphones that I use for coding, and it's like, boom, I'm focused. Like It just has some kind of crazy effect that you get conditioned into. And the ability for you to train your brain in this way is, is so, so powerful. This is, this is hugely powerful. So I would really recommend that. That's the second thing. So T, good over-the-ear headphones. Um, the third thing is music, and I, I always have music on when I'm programming. A lot of people don't like it, some people do. A lot of people don't like music with lyrics while programming, some people do. For me, I can only listen to songs that I've heard thousands of times. 
So I have a Spotify starred playlist and I put that on shuffle and a lot of the songs on that playlist pump me up and they amp me up and they keep me going. So that's another thing. Make sure to select music that amps you up and intrigues you and makes you feel stoked to be alive and stoked. So music is a drug, right? So let's not forget that. Music has an effect where you hear it and it releases dopamine. So what you want to do is use it strategically. If you have a couple of songs that really pump you up, put it on your web development playlist and crack and put that on when you're programming and then put it on shuffle or something like that and put a couple of other songs in there that don't pump you up as much and it'll shuffle back and forth between, you know, very pumped up and kind of just focused. And that type of musical environment really works for me because it's it's sufficiently feeding my brain with the necessary dopamine to really think through super, super hair, you know, nightmarish type problems, right? So you want to, you, if you want to do better than me, then just do it with no music. But those are the three things that really help me get through complicated programming sessions. And then the fourth thing is the thing that, again, more people will not want to hear, but it's just doing it and actually putting in the work and saying, you know, I, I feel like getting up right now. You're, you're 20 minutes in, 30 minutes in, an hour in, you're going to want to feel like getting up. You're, you're going to say, ah, oh, my stomach you feel like anxiety because you can't figure out this problem. You can't learn this new topic. You can't learn this thing. You can't implement this code. You're getting debug errors. You're not able to find the bug. You can't figure out what, why this flag or this Boolean is getting set, whatever it is. You have to push through. So when you feel that, read The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. He talks about this thing called the resistance. And the resistance is basically just this concept that every time you go to do anything important, your body is going to push back against you. So if you've ever played in a band or done jams, like musical jams, typically in a musical jam, at some point your body is going to be like, stop, stop, stop. And that's when the music gets the best. So it's the same way with programming, same way with most things in life as well. Definitely though, uh, for long programming sessions, those are my, those are my best tips. And that's it, guys. That's it for Start Here Web Development this week. I hope you had a good episode, and I hope you enjoyed the questions that we answered. If you have any questions that you want me to answer on the next episode or the episode after that, feel free to write me at miller.dane, D-A-I-N, at gmail.com. Again, also at Twitter, at Dane Miller. Feel free also, if you like this episode, to share it. We love hearing that you guys love this episode and sharing it with your friends is a great way to support the podcast. You can also leave a review on iTunes. If we, if we analyze the questions that we just answered and the answers that we just gave in this episode, what we'll notice is that almost all of these questions were the result of some kind of bias or cognitive you know, bias in the brain. And some of them weren't, and that's great. But some of them were, and when that's the problem, it's very hard to see the answer. So if you're very, very blocked and you're very blinded by the cognitive biases that you have, it's very hard to see the answer. You're gonna be super confused. You know, the great example is the first one that we answered. What is the right language to learn? That is a very clear example of how your brain can trick you because you're not focusing on the truly important thing. Instead, your brain is tricking you into thinking that all these myriad other things are important. And so when you're able, when we're all able to read more and read all of these books and really consume this type of information, it's going to help us unlock the part of our brain that has the ability to creatively, to creatively think about problems that nobody else would think about in, in the same way that literally nobody else would, would think about. So thanks guys. And I really appreciate all of you guys listening. I love all of our listeners and our fans. 
and you guys are moving forward and you're changing and you're learning and you're becoming better and you're evolving and eventually we can change the entire industry. See you next time.